and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest originally began her career looking after the crown jewels at the Tower of London. After a career shift, she moved into sales and discovered a passion for coaching. She has been working for a number of SaaS technologies, coaching and scaling the SDR teams to success. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Jennifer Hicks. Hi, Janice. Really, really good to be here, as I know you've been chasing me down for a while. (laughs) I have been. You have no idea, people. I've been wanting. It's actually been about 18 months, isn't it? Remember, I know it's shocking. (laughs) This is how impressed there's not a lot of people I harass for a whole 18. In fact, it's more than 18 months because it's almost 18 months in lockdown. So it's about two years. There are not many people, so you're all already in for a treat. So let me talk to you um, about your view on the way B2B sells, uh, if it's shifted to be buyer-centric enough. Oh, goodness. Um, it's, it's a really interesting question. And funnily enough, it's something that we obviously chatted a little bit about, goodness, a couple of months ago. And I thought, wow, what a really interesting question to pose. Um, so from my perspective, I think it's 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 a really interesting thing because I think there's a lot we can learn from B2C. Um, there's a very customer-centric focus. It's very much about being driven by what the customer wants, how they perceive your product, and what direction they want it to move in. Um, and so for the B2B market, I think there is this tendency that you can get very het up in, um, say, the marketing aspect or the sales aspect. And really it's quite interesting to see a lot of new companies going back to their roots and really thinking about what is it I'm delivering to my customer? How am I delivering it? And what channels do I have available for them to give me feedback and just to continue building on what impressed them in the first place? And we were just talking off camera about event that's going on for your company at the moment as well. And so talk to us about how your organization is remaining close to the customer how are you doing it oh goodness um so uh, for those of you that haven't pre-googled me (laughs) before the podcast uh i work for a company called gearset um and so we're leading in the space of devops solutions um for salesforce users and at the moment i'm very naughty because i've just snuck out of our second ever uh devops summit which is going exceedingly well at the moment um But one of the things that I'm always really impressed with with Gearset is how we keep an ear to the ground for our customer feedback. So um, at the moment, while that event's running, there is a very active chat going on. um, But pretty much, I'd say about 90% of our company are on that chat, listening to the feedback, responding to customers, answering questions. Um, And we try and make ourselves as transparent as possible to have that ear of the customer. So um, 
we have everybody on our in-app chat so you might get responded to by someone from customer care but if it's an interesting enough question that's going to get pinged up to our ceo um, and co-founder those were the guys that built the product they want to hear what our customers have got to say and i would imagine there's a lot of potential co-creation and innovation that comes out of creating a space where people can ask questions and um, facilitating the innovation of, of ideas. If you're holding that space, this could be your, your next product innovation. That's right. And I think it's, it's just really interesting to see how an end user does something. Um, when I joined the company, I was very honest about my levels of technical skills with Salesforce. Um, I'm definitely not a newbie by any stretch of the imagination, but I wouldn't want to hold my own with maybe a developer that's been doing that for 20 years. Um, and I had a really interesting experience where I was using our tool that we sell. Everyone goes through um, a training program to make sure that they're really up to skill and really knowledgeable about our product. Um, and I had uh, one of the engineers jump on me using it because he said that would be really interesting for me to see somebody who might be new to the tool. What might they be experiencing? What things might they click on that doesn't make sense to them? So there's always that sense of what can we keep doing to keep being innovative and to really try and think very broadly about who our end user base is going to be. And that reminds me, I worked for a customer experience consultancy, and that's where my focus on customers in sales really came from, because I realized that they are the best innovators and creators. And I remember setting up a customer experience journey for uh, AOL, and we had their engineers, marketers, you know, it was really kind of across the functions, sit with customers, and the customers had a journey. So they were not allowed to say anything. And all of the engineers came back and said, we didn't design it that way, but the customers found the loopholes and the quickest <laughs> and best way to do it. We hadn't thought about that. So it com completely blew their minds. They're thinking, well, we're the technical team, so we know what we're doing. And actually customers are, I think they don't work logically, but it doesn't mean that that's the shortest method. It's often the quickest route. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to actually have that as part of your development system. Definitely. And I think I've mentioned this to you before. I really love it when there's the opportunity for customers to get in touch with a sales team via non-traditional means. Um, now, maybe I might speak to somebody who's you know been in the sales business longer than me and they'd say, oh, non-traditional is LinkedIn for me. Um, we have a lot of people speak to us via Reddit, um, speak to us on Discord. Uh, I have used Discord for computer gaming. I never would have considered using it as part of a, a business, but it just really works for us. Um, and that's been really, really interesting. There's some great conversations going on on there as well. Uh, and we're very fortunate. We've got an amazing marketing team who um, are constantly manning these channels to really keep that ear to the ground and see what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it sort of puts a new spin on that idea of social interaction with your customer base. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and no limitations um, to it. We'll go wherever the customer wants to have the conversation and we'll actually put investment behind it to make sure that we are supporting it as well. Mm. Um, I was uh, on uh, over the weekend. I just decided I wanted to just pay off this uh, bit of a credit card. It wasn't very much, but they have an app. 
So I went onto the app and it said that you could do this. And I kept coming up with a block and it just wouldn't do what I wanted to do. So on the Monday, I rang the telephone line and they said to me, um, oh, that's why we have a dedicated team of people to take payments. So the they know that the app doesn't work very well because a lot of people like me come through it. So you think, well, why would you frustrate your customer in that way? Uh, they were thinking they're doing a great job for the customer, but actually do not create something that doesn't work and you're only frustrating your customers. And you think of the additional investment that they need to have, and they think it's quite logical to actually do that, that they're doing a great job, but it really is, is, is madness. And so let me ask you uh, about your... Um, a practical strategy that you would offer listeners to enable them to enable their buyers to buy well i'm i'm slightly biased uh, obviously <laughs> as i'm an sdr manager my answer to this is always have a really dedicated and invested team of sdrs now i will caveat that with it's not always appropriate for necessarily a startup business you're often going to build that out with an account executive but i think some of these rules still apply um for me personally, I want every interaction that my business has to reflect that highlight level customer experience because it's going to be a touch point on that buyer's journey. Um, and so really, for me, having an SDR team who shares that same passionate ethos as the people in your customer care team and the marketing team as the account executives or the direct sales that are doing the demo, they're really going to make that journey a partnership for the customer rather than just you know, ship them up, package them up, off to the next person, which I think is the sales experience that we all least enjoy pretty much. Mm, mm. So how does that happen? Um, I think a big part of it is don't take yourself too seriously. There's there's far too many salespeople that want to have an interaction with a potential prospect with the end goal of I'm, I'm going to get sale in there. Yes, obviously, we are salespeople and we're going to want to have that chat thinking, am I going to qualify this person in? Am I going to qualify this person out? But there's also nothing wrong with having a chat and getting to know the other person as a human being as well, because that's really what's going to build up that trust barrier where they then see you as a consultant for the business. Um, there's an analogy that I always use with uh, my SDRs, which is imagine you go to a fairly generic branded um, store that is selling computer equipment. I could go in and want to buy a laptop. I could have the salesperson that comes up to me and says, hey, you want to buy a laptop? The, this one's on sale for 450 quid. I, now showing that I don't know how much a laptop costs. <laughs> um, you know, you should buy this one. They don't really know anything about me. Whereas this other salesperson is like, hey, you've been wandering around for a bit. Can I help you? Yeah, I'd like to buy a laptop. I'm going to university next year. Oh, really? Lots of students buy this laptop. Do you know why? It's got really good security settings and it's got extended memory. You'll probably need that because otherwise you're going to have to buy, you know, memory sticks, upgrades, etc. Um, and now suddenly I've had a completely different experience. But that second interaction really felt like somebody just wanted to get to know me because I looked lost. And then I decided yeah. to share some additional info. Uh, and and it creates because you're sharing that additional info, it creates the opportunity to upsell the person because you're more able to align what their needs are as opposed to just selling something because it's quick and easy. That's right. And I think it is a part of an understanding because I would say I I've probably dealt with, you know, hundreds, maybe nearly thousands of prospects in my time when back when I was an SDR and 
I could probably remember a good 40-50% of them and the great conversations I had and I really wanted to get to know them as a person and because of that I would then feel terrible if I knew I'd pushed a solution on them that wasn't a fit or I hadn't had a really transparent experience with them. So it makes, again, that upselling process so much easier because you know what you're telling them is going to bring them success and help their business to expand. And you're not doing a hit and run. Like if they've got a problem because maybe the technology is a little bit more advanced and they need additional support or something, you're not going to not answer the call because you absolutely believe that that is the right solution for them. And there's always a certain amount of onboarding and you welcome that person as, as a customer. That's right. I, I have a I have a small analogy for this. Um, it's not a great one. And I'm, I'm sure my dad is going to listen to this podcast at some point and be like, oh, goodness, Jen, I can't believe you said this. Um, but the one I like to think about is sometimes we're in quite a rush to do something, um, especially in the B2B space where it's another company that wants to purchase really fast. And you're standing in this space where you think, I don't want to be a friction to that purchase. But equally, I know that this company is going to have a terrible experience if they don't go through probably quite a significant discovery process with us. Mm. And it's frustrating. So I kind of liken this to learning to drive a motorbike if you already have, say, a car driver's license. Some people might think, oh, a motorbike is a bit of a new thing for me. I want to have some training. I want to have a little bit of coaching. And then, yeah, I know how to drive on the road. I know the traffic signals, etc. Or... um. They might be a little bit like my dad, who loves to turn his hand to new things and would say, I've got a car license. I'm going to give this motorbike a go and let's hope that nothing goes wrong. <laughs> and really, I would be the salesperson definitely in that instance saying, maybe we should just do a bit of a practice and do a bit of training and onboarding before you give that motorbike a go. <laughs> I can imagine your dad racing down the road on his motorbike. Oh, <laughs> I, could. I think he I think he would love it at the moment. Um yeah especially in this nice weather, but you're probably a bit bundled up in all the safety gear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, that's lovely. So what what is it about coaching that so kind of fires you up? Because I know that you you love to develop your, your team. What is it? Um, well, I think it's lots of things, really. Funnily enough, I would have said that when I first got into sales, um, I didn't necessarily know that coaching was going to be my bag and the thing that I enjoyed so much. Uh, but I started to just really get a kick out of the people that I worked with, watching them develop or really overcome a hurdle that was something that was grating on them for a long time. Um, and so I decided to invest in going on a couple of training courses. Uh, I read a couple of great books, which was amazing. And um, I still cannot recommend more uh, Kim Scott's uh, book as well, A Radical Candor, because that is amazing coaching tips in there. Um and then really, that's just kind of grown alongside the role. So I think part of the reason I ended up in SDR management was I tended to work with a lot of grads who were straight out of university. And this really was a chance not just to impact what they were doing now, but help coach them for the future as well. So um, I hope a lot of my team would agree with me that many of the conversations we have, they're not just about them being successful at the company they're at, at the moment, but should they decide to move on or maybe move to another country, take on another job? Like, how could they be successful in a new role there as well? So when you made the shift into sales, how did that actually happen? Uh, almost by accident, I will say. Um, I had left the tower and I decided to take a bit of a sabbatical and just 
um I'd gone straight from education to work and I thought maybe I'll do the reverse I'll learn a bit of cash and I'll travel around a bit um ended up not traveling around a bit I was helping out a few people at home and then decided you know what I think I might just move my industry around there was probably a level of arrogance there that I'd done some operational leadership and because of just the place that I worked it didn't really translate very well on my CV so I thought you know what let's just see what industries are out there and I got the typical spiel Jen you're quite a personable person why don't you give sales a go I was like yeah I can do this um went to a couple of horrific interviews uh my goodness uh, I went to one of those sneaky interviews where they say it's a marketing job and it's a it's a knock on the doors one. That yeah. was a bit naughty. Um, yeah. And then I went to a really amazing sales recruitment day. Um, it, it was wonderful. Uh, so if anyone's looking for um, a company to help them support recruit SDRs, thoroughly recommend BMS. They're a really great partner and they educate people throughout the day as well as get them onto interviews. So I went through that process. Um, I found my uh, previous employer, Cvent had a great time working for that company and really grew up there through that SDR, got to learn the business before moving into management. Fantastic. And that's where we met at uh, C-Vent. Yeah. It is at the yeah. old uh, Women in Leadership Day. That's it. Absolutely. That's okay. A, so a... talking about women in, in leadership, let's talk about diversity. What's your view on, because if we were having a big conversation uh, about that. So I'm really interested. What's your view in uh, diversity in the sales industry what do you think where we are and what more needs to be done uh, I definitely feel there's a lot more that needs to be done um, but for me diversity can just mean so many things um, I think depending on who you ask they might pinpoint a particular aspect so you may speak to one company and they'll say oh we need to have more women in sales um, but it can even be some stuff that's quite hidden, like maybe we need to have more people who didn't graduate from university that went for apprenticeship programs. Maybe we need people who come from a different part of the country or come from abroad. Um, there's just so much varying perspective that you can bring to an organisation through diversity. And one thing I have to say I'm very passionately against is those exams that you have to take where they do a personality assessment yeah. before you interview, but then the outcome of the interview is solely based on that assessment. Mm. Um, I, I think those assessments are a great tool once you've onboarded somebody to really understand how you can get the best out of them and how they need to work. But if you're hiring an entire group of people that fits just one particular candidacy model, you're never going to hear what the problems are. And you're going to bump up against the same friction. And I'll be honest, I'm a bit of a victim for this myself. When I first moved into management, I probably hired a lot of people that I thought, hey, they have a really similar personality to me. And I mean, this was God, you know, 12 odd years ago. And you just think after you've unfortunately had to let maybe the third or fourth person go, why do I keep doing this to myself? Yeah. And it was a kick in my backside to go because I'm not thinking about what diversity truly means. And so now any time I'm interviewing, I really like to make sure that I've got other people there so I get a broad 360 degree perspective on candidates coming through and that I really challenge any unconscious bias that I might be bringing to the table. Um, so my my uh, HR team knows that I'll pretty much telescreen anybody that wants to interview for our company because I really want to see who's going to put in the effort and come through the door and bring the next great thing in. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of those assessment tests are actually biased that, you know, even HR people don't really realise. I remember when um, the, the testing that they did for my um, master's and I was so furious because they had things, it was like an international audience, but they had things in recognising UK or, or British landmarks, you know. There's some psychologists that thought this was a great idea. I would have found the that. The way that we use language, <laughs> you know, or signage as well, you know, what is unusual in one culture is not unusual in another. So, so many of those tests are actually biased. They're created by Oxford or Cambridge deans and they 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 have the same kind of group think so yeah they can be quite dangerous can't they they can be and my recommendation is anyone who's maybe got roles advertised at the moment that they're concerned that they're not attracting a diverse pool of candidates is I would say put it out there to some other organizations. Um, a colleague of mine from the US reached out on LinkedIn a while ago and said I'm really looking for more women to apply for this role and they just aren't um, so I hit him up privately and said, have you sent this to any women that are doing this job role at other companies and ask them what they think of this job spec? Because they may turn around and tell you something that you can't see and I can't see that's putting people off. Yeah. Um, and I think that that can be something really, really powerful. I think that's a brilliant idea. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, because we don't know our own blind, blind spots, do we? Mm. We just can't see them. That's why they're called blind spots. That's it. <laughs> yeah. In my case, it means walking into doors and lampposts. But <laughs> in terms of business, it can be something a little bit more dangerous. Yeah. Well, that's uh, all the people looking down at their phones, really. You know, lampposts well, do them no favour. That's it, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, if you, uh, who is your hero or shero? Let me ask you that. Oh, goodness. Well, it's a soppy one for me. My my Shiro is my partner, Anne. I could not live without her. Honestly, she's the yin to my yang. Um, why would I say that? I think because she's the perfect complement to my personality, which is great. All of us are looking for that one person that picks up everything that they do badly and then they support that other person in things that they necessarily don't do quite well. So we're a really great team. Um, yeah. And I think we also broke... Uh, I don't know if you can say it's a sort of old adage, but we met at work and there's this thing of like, oh no, two people that are uh, in a relationship can't work together. We were awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah, I know that if I, I was on a, a desert island or something with her, you know, she'd be organizing me building a shack and we'd always have food to eat and clean water. So I know I'd survive. So if you were take, going on a desert island on your own, your item to take would be Anne. <laughs> it would be. If I wasn't allowed to take a human, I, I'd have to take something that I could play Audible on. I'm a big audiobook fan. Yeah. Um, and I do love a cheeky podcast as well. So that'd keep yeah. me going. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, it's been an absolute um, pleasure. So tell listeners how they can get hold of you. Um, the best way to get hold of me is on LinkedIn because I, at the moment I'm a bit rubbish at replying to emails in my inbox for you lovely salespeople that have been messaging me. So catch me on LinkedIn. I try my best to reply to every message. Um, so I'm logged as Jennifer Hicks, SDR manager, as I'm sure there's a few other Jennifer Hickses out there. Um, or you can catch me floating around at Gearset. If you're ever in the Cambridge area, please come and say hi. I love meeting new people. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. 
Thank you. Finally, I've got you. <laughs> you got me. I'm trapped. <laughs> now we've we've just got to hope that everything I've said is awesome and it doesn't get heavily edited in post production. It won't be at all. It won't be at all. You are absolutely brilliant. Thank you for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Jennifer. No worries, and thank you so much, Janice. I'm so sorry for keeping you waiting so long. <laughs> it's worth it. You're worth it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.